Hashem, wherever you guys are going, have them on your recorders so we can listen to them. Baruch Hashem, we were zoha today to actually have the 10-minute halacha be a 40-minute halacha here, inshallah, which is even better for us. So it's a schutz for us to have Rabbi Ayy Leibowitz, or Ayy Leibowitz of America, of DRS, of the shul, and now Rabbi Ayy Leibowitz, who's in America now, visiting from Shalavim, who is not with us right now at this moment. Not to be confused between the two, others have confused that. But it's really a tremendous pleasure for us to have you here with us and share some Tiber Torah and share. Thank, Thank you very, very much. much. Thank you. It's always great to be in Shalavim. Always nice to see so many Talmidim and friends. It's uh, make sure there's at least one Arya Leibowitz in Shalavim at all times. Baruch Hashem. I, uh, last time I was here, maybe two times ago, instead of giving a regular shear, I mentioned a shayla that I was asked recently, and I gave a shear on that, and someone came over to me a few months later and says, oh, I remember when you were in Shalvim, you spoke about this and that shayla. So I said, okay, I guess if people remember that kind of topic, maybe I should stick with something like that. So I'll share with you a shayla that I just got this past Thursday night. Someone asked me this shayla, and uh, we'll talk about what the, what the answer might be, what the halacha might be. Someone came over to me and told me that at, a, at weddings, his shtick, the thing he does at weddings, is that he likes to leapfrog people. Are you familiar with what this is? You know what this is? You've seen that guy at weddings, right? Where he lines up a few people and he takes a running jump, clear out the way, he takes a running jump and he goes over and he you know, puts his hands on their shoulders, I guess, and goes over the whole, uh, the whole crowd. So that's like his shtick. That's what he, what he does for Simchus Chasim Kala. So he was at a wedding and he was preparing to do his leapfrogging thing and then they sat the chasin down. You know, they were getting to that part where they danced in front of the chasin. So that's, you know, it's no challenge. They sat the chasin down. Who can't jump over a sitting chasin? Anyone could jump over. So he decided, he decided that he was going to put a guy behind the chasin and jump over that guy and the chasin, you know, while they're, while they're doing the dancing in front of him. So like he'll fly in out of nowhere and that would be fun and that would be, that would be nice. Now, he, he, he didn't chap. The chasin was sitting right next to his father on the one side and his father-in-law on the other side. We're sitting right next to the chasin. And this guy set up someone behind the chasin and he was going to go leapfrog, but he didn't cheshbin that he has legs and, that, <laughs> and that, that the legs have to go somewhere and legs can't just disappear. They have, to, they have to go somewhere. So he goes and he takes his running... They clear out the way behind and in front, but not next to. And he goes and he takes a running jump and he goes over the guy behind the chasin. One knee goes right into the back of the chasin's father's head. The other knee goes right into the back of the kala's father's head. They're both out cold. And... <laughs> And uh, he, he feels terrible. He turns around, the, the cousin's father gets up, and he's like, oh, I'm okay. The college father starts screaming for Atzala, and the guy, the guy says, I am Atzala. <laughs> no, not you. Some other Atzala. So, so he, uh, he felt terribly about it. He apologized. Um, they, they almost took the college father to the hospital, but they didn't. And he, he survived the rest of the wedding, stayed for the rest of the wedding. And... Uh, a couple of weeks later, he got a phone call or, a, or, or maybe in the mail, something. He got the, the Kala's father said, you owe me about $1,200 of, uh, or $1,000 of medical bills. I have insurance, but I had to go through cat scan and all sorts of different tests because uh, you gave me, you concussed me, and I didn't know what else was, you know, could have possibly been wrong. And, I, and I, before I flew, before I got on an airplane, I had to go through tests. So my, my premiums, my co-pays, whatever, whatever it cost, out of pocket was a, was a 
$1,000. So this guy said to me, what do I do? He, he asked me for $1,000. Do, do I owe him $1,000 when I was, when, because I hurt him in that way? So what do you think? What would you say? Does he owe $1,000? Dover Pashat, right? When you learn about Bakama? No, person Shmiras uh, He has to. He has to be careful that he doesn't. That he doesn't go knock someone upside down and knock him out cold. That is, <laughs> especially at his daughter's wedding. So it seemed like an open and shut case, but it's it's not really an open and shut case. And I want to explain to you why why it's not. So first of all, he told me. I said, "Is this Shaila Lemaisa?" So he said, no, it's not Lemaisa, because what happened was he went and asked one of his rebbeim at the time that it happened, and the Rebbe said, here's what you do. Send the guy $500 with a note that if you want to take me to Beisden, if you want more money, then take me to Beisden. But here's what I'm willing to pay. And he's never going to take you to Beisden because he doesn't want to go through the hassle. So you'll give him something, and that way you know, we'll, make it, we'll make it go away. And he said, that's what I did, Kachava, and the, the guy, you know, he, doesn't, he lives out of town, so to, to fly in, to go to a Beisden, it's not going to be worth it. So he just took the $500, and that, that was it. And then he said he went to ask another one of his rebbeim, who happened to be related to the first rebbe, I think a child of the first rebbe that he had asked, a son of the first rebbe, and the other rebbe said, no, my father's wrong, you owe all the money. So I thought neither of them were right, um, and I'll, I'll explain why. Now, they're, 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 what, I, what I thought they're not right about is answering the shaila in the first place. Uh, whether they're right in halach or not, I think, is also debatable, but I think answering the shaila in the first place is a major problem. Why is answering the shaila in the first place a major problem? If someone comes with a dine mamunis question, whenever someone calls, I have a question, I got into a monetary dispute with somebody, I need you to deal with that, I would like for you to, to arbitrate this, uh, this dispute, tell me what the halacha is in this monetary dispute, the answer is always the same. The answer is always, I can't tell you what the answer is in a monetary dispute if you're asking me your side of the question. I have to hear both sides of the question. In fact, a Beisden should hear, or if you want to arbitrate with a, with a single rabbi, or whatever, with not, not a Beisden, they have to hear both sides. Not only do I have to hear both sides, if you told me this story already, I can't be the one to arbitrate, because I need to hear both sides in front of each other. You both need to tell me the story in front of each other, because not because anyone's going to lie, everyone could be telling the truth, but the way you speak in front of the other party is not the way you speak when the other party's not there. The nuance of the language, the tone of the language, it gives an entirely different impression when the other party's not there. So if, if, if I was asked the Shailah Lemaisa, I'd right away say, we can't, we can't answer the Shailah. It's not something they're supposed to answer. And even if we could answer it, and we had both parties in front of us, then we have a, a, a very fundamental discussion in the Gemara, in the beginning of Sanhedrin, how one is best served dealing with these kinds of questions, with, with monetary questions. The Gemara discusses whether a person is ideally supposed to, a Bezin is ideally supposed to go with Din, or they should go with Pshara. What does the word Pshara mean? Compromise. What does halacha of pshara mean? It doesn't mean compromise. Pshara means in halacha, you see, compromise would mean what, this, what the first rabbi told him. Oh, he says you owe $1,000, you'd rather owe nothing, so give him $500 and that's a compromise. But that's not what pshara means in halacha. What pshara means in halacha is that you do something that everyone could understand why that's fair. In Din, there's a winner and there's a loser. And the winner feels like he won, the loser feels like justice was not served. 
In Pshara, even if somebody ends up losing a lot of money, somehow it's done in such a way where the person feels that that was fair, where it could be explained in such a way that it's fair. Now, often it is, a com- it is what we would call in English a compromise. Very often it's not. But Pshar is a, a different style of din. There is a, the Gemara says, the Gemara is a machlokas, the Gemara Sanhedrin, that it's asr to make Pshara. You have to do din. Why would it be asr to make Pshara? It sounds like such a nice thing, such a great idea. What would be the isr? What's the isr of Pshara? What? MS? That it's not MS? Pasuk says, he quotes a Pasuk, yeah, but what's the Svara? What's the Svara? But Pshara doesn't always mean you're going to get something. That's what the English definition of Pshara is. But Pshara, pshara very often means that you'll end up having to pay more than you thought you'd have to pay. Because that's, that's the, the Seichal HaYashar dictates. Rav Shaft always likes to say, Pshara is a Psak Halacha Al Pi Seichal HaYashar, rather than Al Pi Dine Choshen Mishpat. So the, probably the reason that pshara is viewed in a negative way by half of the Tanaim and Amoraim is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us a Torah. And in that Torah, there are rules and regulations. So it's us telling HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we appreciate your input. It's very, very nice that you gave us halachos. But we have a better idea. So thank you very much. But we have a better... What kind of chutzpah? HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us rules. We can't just say we have a better idea. It doesn't work that way. So that's why half the Tanaim and Amoraim likely are not, not excited about the idea of Pshara. Others say, no, mitzvah levtsoa. Absolutely, it's a mitzvah of salvation. There's a very nice piece on this where he explains, the Pasuk says that uh, there's a mishpat that involves shalom and tzedakah. So in some, on some level, the Pshara involves mishpat, because it's sort of a mishpat, meaning it's a, a basin that does Pshara can't be done at night, and it has all the halachas of a basin. And there's also, uh, there's also shalom, because everyone can appreciate the peace involved that it's done in a way that's fair to everybody. And there's tzedek. Why is there greater tzedek in Pshara than there is in Din? So Salvechik explains in one of his drashos that Din assumes that somebody's right, somebody's wrong. Reality assumes that when there's a dispute between two human beings, somebody is mostly right and a little bit wrong, and somebody else is probably mostly wrong and a little bit right. But there's nobody that's Totally right and totally wrong. We don't have that in human interactions. Very, very rare in human interactions. So it could turn out, Salvation explained, that Pshara is more tzedek than Din is. Because Din demands that we define someone as being correct and someone as being incorrect. Pshara allows for, for the realization that some people are not always 100% correct. That sometimes that we did something wrong, even when we are, even when we are right. But getting to the, to the heart of the matter over here. Let's say you are on a basin and they asked for a din and you had to deal with this shayla. So on the, on, on the, with the shayla of the guy knocking out the, the two fathers of the chasen and the kala, who's going to pay at the end of the wedding? I don't know, once they're, they're both out cold. But let's say you're, you're, uh, you're dealt with this shayla and you're on the basin and you have to deal with the shayla. So what's the, what's the halacha? There is a mishnah at the end of Masech HaSukkah in the fourth paragraph of Masech HaSukkah where the mishnah describes what happens on Hoshana Rabbah. After they do the hakafos around the mizbeach, and everyone's finished with the lulav and esrog, so what do you do with the lulav and esrog on Hashana Rabba when you're done with it? So the Mishnah describes miyad tinokos shomtinus lulavein va'uchlin esrogehen that miyad the children shomtinus lulavein they would uh, take away or throw away their lulav and eat their esrogim. 
What does that Mishnah mean? Says Rashi on the spot, Anoshana Rabbah, as soon as the little kid is done shaking his little Vanessa, so his beloved little Vanessa, he's so excited that his father bought up a little Vanessa this year, you go over to the kid and you mug him. You grab the lulav out of his hand, you take his ass, you take a bite out of it, and then uh, say, Here, kid. And he's, uh, and he's stuck without his little Vanessa, and he's crying or whatever. So, and that's, that was the minuk. That's what they would do. They would pull away the lulav from the, from the child and the asrog. Isn't that gazel? How can you go steal from a kid? So he says, no. It's not gazel, and it's also not dark shalom. Why does he bring up dark shalom? Dark shalom, the Gemara talks about if you have a metzias, Now, Allah is technically that if a katan, a katan does not have the ability to make a kinyan midaraisa in something, unless there's a dasa cheres makne, unless someone else is being makne to him. So if he finds a metzia on the street, so the katan's going to pick it up. On a daraisa level, he doesn't own it. So on a daraisa level, someone could go over to that katan and take it away from him and say, it's my metzia, even though the katan found it first. But when Dark Shalom Chazal said, it's not nice. You shouldn't do that to children. It's not a good idea. It's a, you're going to get into a fight with his father and the kid's going to be crying. It's just it would, it would end very badly. So Chazal said, "You're not allowed to do that." So Rashi said, "Isn't this the same problem?" The dark Shalom, last day of Sukkot, the kid, the kid uh, shook his little Vanessa, and you're grabbing it out of his hand and you're eating his esrog. He says, "No, shekach nagu machmasimcha," because that was the minhag. That was that was what they did, machmasimcha. That, that was what they, that's how they would celebrate. That was part of the environment. That was part of the atmosphere of how they would celebrate. Then that's okay. Says Tosfos on the spot. So we can learn from here. Different kind of wedding shtick. I haven't seen this one yet. That they used to have, take real horses and actually ride on horses to go greet the chasan. And they would like joust with each other. They would like have a play war between each other, except it wasn't so play. And one guy would rip the other guy's bed out. He'd rip the other guy's clothing. Oh, Mekalkalo Suso, a ruinous horse. Horses are expensive, right? Shane Peturin. They're potter for any dini mominus. Any monetary damage they're potter from. Why? Shekach nagu machma simchas chasen. Because that's the minig, simchas chasen, that's the minig you're allowed to do it. That's the, the, the minig is that that's what they do. So then any damage done in that context is going to be something that you're potter for. Then Tulsa says a different shot in the Mishnah, not like Rashi, without rejecting this approach lahalacha, he's saying there is a different pshat in the Mishnah. The word miyad, when it comes up in the Gemara, most often does not mean from the hand of. What does miyad most often mean in the Gemara? Immediately. So what do they do? That's what the Mishnah is describing. Right after the Chibar Aravos, what would they do? Miyad, the children would throw their lulav out. That was part of their way of celebrating. They would throw the lulav down and they would eat their own esrogim. Not that anyone's mugging any poor children. That's not the way it would work. But that's a different shot in the Mishnah. But Tos doesn't reject the possibility, la halacha, that if this is what they do for Simcha, so good, so that's what they do for Simcha, so it'll be a lot of fun, everyone will have a great time, and it's totally okay. So what does this have to do with our Shaila? The Ramah in Darke Moshe, in Choshen Mishpat, in Shinayin Ches, the Ramah writes, quotes from Mordechai, on that Gemara and Sukkah, and he says, he quotes the same idea that Tulsa says that they're potter because they're no ikad machma simchas chasan bekala. And he says, He says, they hit each other. If they're not trying to hurt each other, even though they're getting rowdy 
And you know, like it's the kind of thing your mother would yell, stop doing that, someone's going to get hurt. And then, sure enough, someone gets hurt. But you weren't actually trying to hurt each other. You were just trying to have fun. You were just trying to, you know, see, uh, see how quickly your brother could duck when you swing the hockey stick. And it turns out one time he couldn't duck in time. You weren't trying to hurt him. You were trying to swing above his head as he was ducking. But he, he just, his, his, his reflexes weren't as good as they, they should have been. So that's, since it's machma, simchas chasen v'kala, that's what you do because of Simchas Chasamakala, so that's okay. Then, then it becomes that you're potter in Dine Mamanis. That's what the Ramah writes. And he quotes a tshuva from the Truma Sadashan. Now, most of the Truma Sadashan's tshuvas are not what we would call classic, classical tshuvas. Truma Sadashan, uh, many tshuvas are like this, Shagasari also. It's not that people ask these questions and then they answer the questions. And you know it because the questions aren't all that interesting. Reality is always more interesting than, uh, than questions that people make up. Reality is much more interesting than, uh, than, than, than fiction. So the, a lot of the questions in Shumas Sadashan are like, you know, what's the halacha? You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's quoted on every page of Shulchan Aruch. Shumas Sadashan is one of the most important uh, svarim, certainly in, uh, in, in the formation of the Ramah. And uh, it came out on every page in, uh, in, in, in the Ramah, you find, uh, you find a quote from the Truma Sadashan. So Truma Sadashan, Chel Beis, was actually asked a real Shaila. It seems that this was an actual Shaila. Where someone had asked about, they, they, were, uh, they were doing Hakafos, whether it was Simchas Torah or whether it was Hoshanas during Sukkis, they were doing Hakafos. And one guy bumped into another guy and uh, broke his shoulder or something. Like, really, must have bumped into him hard and broke, either dislocated or broke his shoulder. And he needed, he had, he had significant medical bills that had to be handled. And he wanted to know if he's chayiv to pay for those medical bills. So Chuma Sedashin says that, really, technically speaking, you'd be potter. Because it's simchas mitzvah and it's understood that it gets tight and shul and that people push and that people, you know, it's just the way it is. Apparently it was, uh, I don't know, like, which chassidim? The Ravarlo chassidim? Like, there's a little more of a, you know, it's, it's lebedik and it's whatever. So you, have, you, you know that you, you enter at your own risk and that's sort, of the way, that's sort of the way it goes. But he says, in this case, the guy's not going to have to pay. Why not? Because there were two Edim that heard Reuven, before Reuven broke Shimon's shoulder, they heard Reuven say, I can't wait till Simchas Torah because everyone gets in the middle and they just push. I'm going to give Shimon such a zetz that he's going to... I mean, he was planning on it the whole time. He had planned it out in advance. So he went in and sure enough, he broke Shimon's shoulder. So he says, okay, if you're planning in advance, then, then Vada, you have, to, you have to pay. Then you're obviously chayiv to pay. But short of that, if you weren't planning in advance, then you wouldn't be chayiv to pay. That's what the Shumas Sedeshan says. And the Ramah quotes this Shumas Sedeshan, like many other Shumas Sedeshans, on, on the page in Shulchan Aruch. He quotes it twice in Hilchus Purim. Twice in Hilchus Purim. In Simitafresh Sadihei, the Ramah writes, V'yei in Sif Beis, V'yei Shomrim dim hizik echadas chavero, mikoach simchas Purim, Potter Milashalim. If someone damages someone else because of Simchas Purim, he's not going to have to pay. The Ramah writes. And Mishabur just adds that the Bach distinguishes between a Hezagadol and a Hezagatan. If it's a lot of damage, then you will have to pay. But if it's a small amount of damage, then you won't have to pay. And then again, one simon later in Tafresh Sadivav, the Ramah writes, B'nei Adam achotvim zemizeh derech simcha. People who grab things from each other, Derek Simcha, they go pickpocketing each other or something, Derek Simcha, they grab food out of each other's hands, they grab a strogan from children, Derek Simcha, Ein Bazemishum Lo Sigzal, it's not a violation of Lo Sigzal. And that's the As long as you don't go overboard. So as long as you stay within reason, it's okay. 
And he says, not only that, the Mishaburah says, and therefore, if you stole someone's food, machmas simcha, you could make a bracha. And it's not a problem of making a bracha and stolen food. What's the problem of making a bracha and stolen food? In Zimavarech it's mitzvah babaveri. You're going to say a bracha on something that's stolen. That's a makri. You're making a makri of a kabbash You can't do that. But this isn't stolen food. Dinimamnus just goes away. It's totally, it's totally much over here. So given this, given this, uh, this background, so now what would you say? If you're on the basin, the guy has to pay, the guy doesn't have to pay. The guy that knocks out the, the father of the chasm and the father of the kala. So now you're convinced that he's totally pati. Any svara the other way? I mean, I, I did too good a job convincing you. Yeah, I, don't, I still think you have to pay because um, in the case of the jousting, the point of sharing a clothing more than spreading a horse is probably part of being with the man Here, being his father, father mother probably wasn't part of being with the Ah, meaning the jumping over the chasin is part of being with the chasin The fact that you knock two people out. That was not part of the. That, that wasn't part of the plan. The jousting, the actual jousting, is part of the plan. That itself, I hear that chiluk. That's a very interesting chiluk. Yeah. This, is, this isn't a normal way of being with someone like Chazan The jousting is normal. That's what normally Is is it not normal? Have you never seen this at a, at a wedding? I've seen people jump over other. People get crazy at weddings, right? People do crazy things at weddings. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Let's say you have a guy who juggles fire. You ever see that at a wedding? I've seen that at weddings. A guy takes things and he juggles things of fire. But the guy doesn't really know how to juggle, so he just takes fire and throws it in the air and lights the college dress on fire or something like that. A guy in my shul told me that he, he once was juggling fire at a wedding and he lost one of them and it almost lit the college dress on fire. And he realized, I should probably practice a little more before I, before I do this again. So let's, is, is a guy who, who is not a trained juggler and he just lights things on fire, is, that, is, is he chayv? Is he going to be chayv to pay in that case? Well, what do you think? Is he going to be chayv to pay in that case? He's badai chayv to pay in that case. Why? That's gross negligence. That's that's awful. That's that's not Mesamir Khazmakalam Bishogeg you happen to to do something. That's a, how did you think it was gonna end? You know uh, but so one one could argue when you're leapfrogging someone, so you could argue that it, it, you know your normal routine is when everybody's standing up and you know how it works. Once you're out of your normal routine, one could argue maybe that it's negligence. I could hear such a time. Right. Now, how do you forget that you have knees? Right. That's it's a very good question. Yeah. Right. You plan in advance to hurt somebody. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the case of Mazid. I mean, that's that's partial. That. Ah, meaning the other party wasn't okay. Very good chiluk also. Yeah. Um, well, well, there's also this came up, meaning you're paying for. No, but it's not. You didn't hurt. You didn't break his clothes. No, it's because the Truma's session actually talks. The Truma's session is talking about a case where you physically hurt the guy. So Mishaburah says there's difference between nezek haguf and nezek of, of property. But mehechitesi, meaning the source of the rama, is is in a case of actual of, of actual physical harm that he broke the guy's shoulder. So the pashtus is we would not be mechalik, even though there's svar to be mechalik, but the the original source. It seems not to be mechalik. The Gemara is not right in a chinami, but uh, but the Trumas Deshen, which is what the Ramah is based on, is talking about. Yeah, so I hear that chilik. Let, let's take a step back. Why is it that you'd be pater? What kind of what kind of ridiculous halacha is this? You're going to go and damage someone's property, and because you were trying to be misamech chasam mechala in a foolish way, you're going to be pater. Where does this halacha come from? 
Why would there be such a halacha? So Chazal made some sort of p'tur over here. What p'tur did Chazal make? What were they thinking when they made this p'tur? There's a beautiful sefer called Mishpatei HaTorah. I think uh, the, the Rav who wrote his name of Spitz, I think. He's an uh, Israeli Rav. He publishes... Uh, he publishes Chosh Mishpat Shailas, I think, in one of the newspapers. And he has a, he has a column of Chosh Mishpat column. And he put them together in a very nice sefer. So he deals with this issue. And he says, Yesh lachkor betama p'tur mitzvah. What's the reason for this p'tur? So he says, I can think of two possibilities. One is, Ki chazal, Rabbi Seinu Rishon, whoever it is, whether it's chazal, whether that's the pshat in the Mishnah, like Rashi says, and therefore it's chazal, or whether it's not pshat in the Mishnah, and this was just something that was dreamt up by Rishonim, but someone along the line realized that weddings would be extremely lame if people were made chayiv for all the damage that they did. What, what would Simchas Chasim look like if you couldn't have anyone leapfrogging anybody or juggling fire or doing anything? It would just be a bunch of guys walking in a circle. So you don't want that. You need a little bit of pushing. You need, you need people to push the envelope a little bit. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes it exciting. That's what makes it a simchas chasen v'kala. And in order to preserve the proper atmosphere of simchas purim, or simchas chasen v'kala, or any simchas shal mitzvah for that matter, when that's the nature of the simchas mitzvah, they, Chazal said, you're no longer called an Adam HaMazik. They were mafkiyahim from, uh, from the chiyuvim, of, of another mamazik. He no longer has to be Shomer al not to be Mazik somebody else Peshogeg. And therefore, if the person you were Mazik, it doesn't matter who the person you were Mazik is, whether he's Kashur to the Simcha or not, whether he's connected to the Simcha or not, or even if he's not connected to the Simcha, you're not another mamazik anymore. So therefore, you're going to be, be puttered, no matter who, who it is that you're Mazik. Or, let's say uh, it's a very expensive Hezik, but still, you're not another mamazik. It's not going to be an issue. Nezek Lugufo, you're not another Mamazik, wouldn't be a problem whether it's Lugufo or Bimamono. And certainly, you wouldn't have to ask Mechila either. Lechora. You wouldn't have a requirement to ask Mechila because Chazal had this, they were Mafkia you from the Parsha of other Mamazik. So that's one possibility. What's the other possibility? What's the other possibility of how, what the mechanics of this thing are? Either Mafkia you, they say, you're not another Mamazik. The other possibility he suggests is, that, of course, you're not the mamazik, but you're not the mamazik when the other party was mocha. Because everyone who participates in a wedding knows that you enter at your own risk. And that this is the way a wedding works. And because this is going to be the way that as Labor Day gets, it gets, you know how Labor Day gets, or you know how Labor Day gets on Purim, or you know. That's, so when you go and become part of that, you are giving an implicit mechila for anyone who's. Mazik shalobikavana. If someone's mazik, you'd be amazing. You're not mochel. But mazik shalobikavana. Now, if that's the case, though, that it's an implicit mechila, one could certainly argue that it would really depend what kind of hazik it is. Look, I'm going to be mochel something minor. I used to always wear, when, when you wear a white shirt and a suit every single day, it's very hard to distinguish between your Shabbos clothing and your weekday clothing. So one of my ways of distinguishing between my Shabbos clothing and my weekday clothing so after I lost weight, you know, I lost weight a little while back, so then my Shabbos suits were the ones that fit, and the weekday clothing the suits were the ones that didn't. But ultimately, my wife made me get all of them fixed. So the, uh, so the way I used to distinguish was I, I would wear cufflink shirts on Shabbos and uh, non-cufflink shirts during the week, right? So that's, that's how I distinguish between my Shabbos outfit and my, my weekday outfit. Um, and shoes also. But uh, at weddings, I would always wear Shabbos clothing. So I'd wear my cufflink shirt with, with cufflinks, and every single wedding, I'd lose a cufflink or two. 
It would always get because it gets levedik in the circle and whatever, and something would get knocked out. It would be stepped on, and it would be. But I, I knew that I'm not going to sue the chassan and kala. You know, what kind of animals you invite to your wedding that you know they're, they're dancing in such a way. That's that's just that's the price you pay to go to a wedding. So after a while, I just got smart and stopped wearing cufflinks. Like it's not worth it. You know, <laughs> like no one will mind if I wear a shirt that doesn't have cufflinks to their wedding. So it's uh, even when it says black tie, you don't actually have to wear. Okay, whatever. So <laughs> no, no one's going to mind. So so but that you enter at your own risk. You know that that's the risk that you're taking when you go to a wedding. So if that's the case, yeah, I'm willing to risk a cufflink, but I'm not willing to, to risk a concussion or internal bleeding in my brain or whatever else could happen when someone, uh, when someone knees you in the back of the head. So maybe that you wouldn't, you wouldn't be willing to be mochel. Or uh, if, let's say, the hezek was done to someone who's not really part of the simcha, someone external to the simcha happens to be walking by, but you're jousting outside the wedding hall. Hey, check this out. And some poor guy is walking by and you accidentally knock him, knock him out. So the Lechorah, he's not mochel anything, he's not participating in the simcha. So it'd be several nafkaminas. Now it seems to be that this is a machlokas, uh, which side to take is a machlokas between the Trumas Deshen and the Ramah on the one hand, and the way the Mishaburah quotes from the Bach on the other hand. The Trumas Deshen and the Ramah seem to assume like the first side, that you're not another mamazik at all, that you're putter entirely, even though it's physical damage to the person's body. I mean, your chilek, between physical damage and damage to one's mamon, that would be enough community here, because if it were physical damage, chances are a guy's not mochel that. You don't go into a wedding thinking that you're, you don't mind suffering a concussion. I don't mind losing a cufflink, but I, I do mind suffering a concussion. So if the Trumas Deshen is willing to say that the broken shoulder, he's really potter for me, Ikradin, so Lechara, what he's saying is that you're mafki, we're mafkia the guy from being an Adam Amazic at all. He's not called an Adam Amazic to begin with. On the other side, on the, on the other hand, the Mishabrura says that, no, if it's Nezek Adol, if it's Nezek Haguf, then you're going to be Chayiv. Seems to be assuming that it's a dinner mechila and a person is only willing to be mochel up to a point. Beyond that point, the person is not willing to be mochel. It should also be pointed out, this is very important, that even if you're going to say you're pater at a, at a wedding, if you do damage, that does not mean that if you go to your table to have the meal and you drink out of a glass and the glass slips out of your hand and shatters all over the floor, that you pater from that nezek. Because that was not simchas chasen bakala at all. That was just stam nezek, that you just weren't, uh, weren't careful enough about Adam Wodiolam, and you have to pay for that. Right? That's, that's stam nezek. It's, it would only be in the act of Simchas Chasim Vekala that it actually be pata. I think it's a Dover Pasha just, uh, just making the point. Yeah? No. If you're Poshaya, then, then, well, if. It would have to be like, the, the level of what we would call Pshia would be different, you know, for, for this, because it's understood to be a rowdy atmosphere. So you're, you're taking more than normally acceptable risks. But gross negligence would not be, would not be okay. Um, yeah, gross negligence would, would, would not be okay. The, the, yeah, so what would you do in halacha? If you have two, so now we have a legitimate machlokas aposkim. Shumazdashen, he's real. Ramah? Ashkenazim yotzim biad Rama, right? We follow the shita, the shita of the Rama all the time. Mishnah Brura, also that's a Bach, very real poskim. So what do you say when you have a dispute in Dinim Amunis and there are very real poskim on either side? So there, there's a general concept of a mitzvah lavaraya whenever you have a suffix in Dinim Amunis, but when you have a machlokus in Dinim Amunis, not just suffix, but a machlokus in Dinim Amunis, there's a concept called kimli. That are you familiar with the concept of kimli? 
that each party can say, one party, the party that, that would theoretically owe the money could say, no, nah, I hold like the other shita. I hold like the shita that says that you're pater. As long as there's a legitimate, strong shita that holds that way, so you could say that he holds like the shita that says that you're pater. Now, again, that's if there's a basin involved, the basin can say, you're not chayv to pay, or there's a machlokas, and you, you know, and he's entitled to say kimli, or the basin could pass in one way or the other. What about the uh, rabbi who said pay $500? Isn't that pshara? Isn't that the best the best solution? Isn't that pshara? What do you think? Is that a good solution or a bad solution? The, what the guy actually did, paying the $500. So I thought that was the worst solution. It's the opposite of pshara. Because everyone lost. The guy who paid thought, why did I have to pay $500 for it? That was, uh, I didn't know anything. And the guy who got paid felt he was strong-armed into a deal. So someone said, isn't it better to settle out of court? Yeah, settling out of court is not is not by telling him, here's what I'm paying, sue me. That's not called settling out of court. Settling out of court is calling the guy up, I'm really sorry, maybe we could work something out, and actually working it out together. So I didn't think that that counts as pshara or anything positive. I thought the, the, just paying the $500, I thought was a very bad idea. I didn't think that that made, that made much sense. Now it's interesting, the poskim all talk about in this context, because it comes up in Hilchus Purim, they all talk about um, if you're mevazes someone, is the guy mochel that also? Meaning that's the nature of the simcha. Things are getting out of hand. So you're mevazes somebody. You're, uh, you have a perm spiel in yeshiva. What does every perm spiel in yeshiva do? They make fun of all the rebbeim and the rashi yeshiva. And they, you know, that's, that's what they do. So normally you wouldn't do that. It wouldn't be normally acceptable. Someone just showed me a video. Motzai Shabbos. Uh, someone showed me a video that, that in Rav Scheinberg's, I think, last year on the, on the earth that someone came into Rav Scheinberg on Purim dressed up like Rav Scheinberg with like a thousand pairs of tzitzis. And Rav Scheinberg was cracking up. You know, he thought it was a star. And then he goes like this, you know, he waves his finger at the guy like, but, but can you do that during the rest of the year? No, but you can do that on Purim because it's Purim and that's okay. That's not a chutzpah. It's not a bizayon to, to do it on, on Purim. In the, in the Nativ Aryeh brochure, every year there's a picture from like 15 years ago where a guy dressed up as Rav Bina. So again, I, I'm not sure if it was Purim or not, but no, Mustafa <laughs> was Purim. But, but the, you, you, could do that, you could do that in Purim. You can't do that. You can't do that throughout, throughout the rest of the year. But I thought maybe this is, this is the... Uh, and to what extent you could do that in Purim, Lachar would also be telling this Machlokas, but or whether you could do that in Purim would be telling this Machlokas. To what extent you could do it, the post can talk about it at great length, to actually be Mivaza someone. I mean, it's one thing if you're, the, the mood is a little looser, so you go a little bit beyond the line where you would normally go. But a lot of times they go way beyond the line. When you go way beyond the line, that would be the equivalent of Poshea. And that would be the equivalent of uh, Mazik Bikavana. But if Bishogeg, in uh, the course of doing whatever you're doing, you vaz a little bit, so maybe that, that, that it would be totally in this machlokas between the, uh, the Chumasadeshen and the uh, and the Bach or the uh, Rama and the Mishnah Now the I, I always wondered, you know, there's a minag that developed when I got married. This minag wasn't around yet, but this minag developed over the last I don't know ten years or so. That when a guy gets married, so at the Afruv, his friends get up and when they speak at the Afruv, they completely destroy him. They say like these awful things, like tell stories that are the most embarrassing stories you could ever tell about, about a person. And I always wonder, like, where did that minna come from? Other than like a jealous friend? I don't know. Like, oh, where does, where does that, that idea come from? So Rabbi Sabalovsky Shlita gave a, a Muslim a little while back where he said this has to stop. 
It's terrible. You don't know what you're doing to people. It's really funny in the moment, except Rabbi Sablowski is the one that gets the call from the Kala's father afterwards. Well, you told me he's a good guy. And I, and I have to hear how he got drunk in this place. And how he did that. What happened? Who am I giving my daughter to? What am I paying? What kind of wedding am I paying for? And a lot of times, people that, uh, you know, no offense to your age group, but people in, uh, in a certain age group forget to... Uh, sometimes see things in a very narrow way. They see what's right in front of them. I got to laugh at the, out of the crowd. That means I was successful. But we don't often realize the the damage that that could be doing. So we, we have to we have to re- we have to realize what what that could be doing. I actually saw Rabbi Sablovsky right after he gave that shmuz. I had called him to say shkayach. Someone had to say it. He said, "I wish it was you and not me." But okay, so, someone had to say it. And I saw him at a chasna after that, and um, it was right after the chuppah. And the Hassan's friends were dancing in front of the Hassan Kala to bring them to the Yichud room. And the Kala's friends started dancing behind the Hassan Kala, which is also a new minute. That didn't always, uh, always happen. He said, this is what we're going to be mevatel next. This is a, <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't happy about that one either. But uh, may, maybe, that's, maybe this, is, uh, this is the sorcerer. Maybe this is the idea for it, that the, the idea of the, the busha that a, person, uh, that a person causes. But it's not, not an excuse. And a person obviously always has to be very careful about other people's property and about other people's dignity. So Bikitzer, this fellow that came over to me asked me the Shailah, the halach is you're not allowed to answer the Shailah. That's that's number one. If you're if you're the rabbi, halach is not allowed to answer the Shailah. You can tell him I'm happy to meet with you and the other party and hear both sides and then come to a reasonable solution. When you do come to a reasonable solution in that case, the ideal thing to do would be Pshara, to encourage Pshara and say we'd rather not Paskin based on the dinim of the Khashemish, but we'd rather do something that would be that would be a Pshara. The Pshara may end up being the five hundred dollars at the I don't know, but that, that would be something that would have to be, that would have to be determined based on uh, based on both parties' input and based on everyone getting getting a say in the matter. If it came down to din, lechara would come down to a very fundamental machlokas, and probably in, uh, in, in, unless Bezin was willing to enforce one pesach or the other, if it didn't come to a Bezin, the guy would be able to say kimli. So that's one little shaila. That's how we would pass it.